Welcome back to the 7B Podcast. My name is Emily Bosong. I'm a staff writer at the Bonner County Daily Bee. So for this podcast, I've decided we're going to do a little something different. Instead of sitting you down, either having an interview with somebody or going into depth of a former story, I'm thinking let's do something different. So I'm going to call this edition the Bonners and Bonner Roundup. Temporarily, I am writing for both the Bonner Ferry Herald and the Bonner County Daily Bee. So I thought let's just sit down, have a chat, talk about um, some of the past stories I've written, and go into a little depth on things that didn't get in the article. And since in the spirit of Thanksgiving, let's not do any hard news today. Let's just hear some good, fun stuff going on in the community. So we're going to go all the way up to Bonner's Ferry. And that's where we start the first part of the um, podcast. So one great story I had lately was about um, Gage Tweedy. He is a local boy from Bonners Ferry, and he races RC cars, which are remote control cars. And so Gage Tweedy, he's been racing all around um, the Northwest Championship Tour. And so earlier this year, he finished and he came first, and he um, he won the title. So Gage has been doing these um, remote control car races for a long time. His first tournament he did was... Um, when he was eight years old and he did a little bit for a while and then he just stopped doing it, got busy. And then he got back into it um, about three years ago. So Gage did several different races all across um, the Northwest. That's just part of this, um, just part of this competition. And so he was always battling back and forth from like first to second to top qualifier. He was always in the run of it. And then we'll see him back next season in April 2022. And it's really exciting. It's really fun. I hope to show up one day and just catch him all in the action. So Lady Badgers basketball is back at it. Um, they've, at time of recording, they've had three games. They've um, they won the first two games and they lost their third game against Sandpoint. It's a good young team, mostly made out of sophomores. I was talking to head coach Travis Hinthorne, and he was saying that it, because it's a young team, it gives them more opportunities and just more time to grow with the program, and he's really excited and seeing how um, the girls have been working hard and just good work ethic and just really giving it their all. Um, a lot of these students um, play more than one sport, so the girls are already in shape after soccer and volleyball, and you may see more and more a lot of the same names in the paper. Boys basketball will be playing as well. Their season just hasn't started yet, and maybe later on at other podcasts we'll be coming back to them. Another story was um, Badger Wrestling splitting wood to fundraise for the season. This is something that the Badger Wrestling does every year. They um, get a generous donation from one of the local logging companies. The Westers are splitting wood and loading up cords of wood for customers, and they will travel around all across the county delivering wood. I went down there and saw them chopping wood. You could see there's some experts over there. Some some of the kids have been doing this since they were six or seven is what one of them were telling me. It was a very efficient assembly line, and I don't know. I think I don't know how many cord they did in the 45 minutes I was there. It's just piles everywhere. Chopping wood's also a good workout for the students, so it's a kind of a double thing as fundraising for the program as well as getting a bit of an exercise in. And all the proceeds go to the program. That's to help pay for travel expenses since wrestling have a lot of tournaments over the weekend, so they do have to stay overnight. There'll be a couple ones in, um, I know they're going to Coeur d'Alene, I think Cheney, Washington as well. And I know they're playing Kellogg, but I'm not sure if they're staying overnight for those. But a lot of those is just these expenses of, with the whole team and putting them up because they could commute home after a game and then after a tournament and then come back at like 
be there at 8 a.m., but they're not going to get many hours of sleep. And in past, some teams that have done that where they've traveled down to Coeur d'Alene and go back home, they can't make it because of weather or something. And, you know, sometimes there's things on the long bridge that prevent them. So that's what the fundraiser's for. And also, um, it also goes to food for when um, the teams are awake. And they get good dinners. They're not always getting pizza every night is what Coach told me. Sometimes they'll have, like, some really nice food, and it's all about um, good nutrition for wrestling. Speaking of good re- nutrition, wrestling is notorious for unhealthy eating habits, but um, C- Coach Campbell is not for that. He he does not advocate that the students cut weight. He wants them to be healthy, and he says just exercising alone will make you lose weight, but you need to have enough fuel in your system to wrestle and to wes- wrestle well. So they have um, assistant coach Alec Hamilton. He helps the students with their um, like a dietary nutrition plan. It's just to make sure they get enough nutrients in and that they're eating enough food. And um, they don't advocate for cutting weight. They'd rather some, maybe some wrestlers need to go up in weight for to be a better competitor. It's all about keeping the kids healthy and keeping them wrestling. You don't we don't want to dehydrate the kids or starve them. And of course, girls can wrestle. The girls have been able to wrestle for a couple years now, but they now have to be represented at the state tournament now. And so that's something exciting to look forward to. And it is never too late to sign up for wrestling for, um, for all sports for Bonners Ferry High School. Any student in the county can participate on the teams, whether they're homeschooled, doing online school, or whether they um, do go to Bonners Ferry High School. You just have to live in the county and have to be in some form of high school program. Badgers split about 12 to 16 cords of wood each year between snowball fights, of course. So another story up in Bonners Ferry that we've done recently was the Moye Dam repair. And so um, part of the project was just fixing the face of the wall and the spillways just because there was damage over time. And so I actually had the experience to go um, walk across the dam with the city engineer, Mike Laus. And let me tell you about Mike. He loves the dam. Just talking to him and just hearing how excited he was to work in for a city that has a dam. He could convince anybody that they should be an engineer or construction. He's just, his sheer excitement was just crazy. And it was, it was just really fun to hear him talking. Um, I didn't know it was on my bucket list to walk across the dam, but, you know, I've done it now. And uh, all my brothers are jealous, you know, so there we go. And so he was saying, um, the dam, um, Klaus was saying that the dam was completed in 1948, and after 70 years of deterioration, the face of the structure was in need of repair. So what was happening is when water would go over the dam, it would, um, after a while, that would just, you know, pull apart at the top layer, and up being up there in um, Moye, there were even occasional logs were going over, and the dam and how cement and concrete was made back then it's not the same as it is today so after after several decades it needed some repair and so um, Klaus said some um, places on the spillway required almost a foot of new concrete so what they did is they're taking this high power hose and they would just um, shoot it out and they were actually cutting off or cutting off pieces of the concrete and just removing it off of the face and then another team came in and worked from um, the shore, the west side, across the face of the dam. And that's when they came and just put new, um, new concrete down. 
and it was a long process. It took um, took a bit of the summer, and even had to make some steps coming down, made some meant steps coming down, so they could balance and anchor themselves on the wall, just to put in the new um, concrete. It it's one of those things where if you ever look at the creation of Mount Rushmore, you just seeing all the people, and it kind of looks like the rock climbing. It was one of those really crazy things where they had to go lay up against the wall and just fix everything. And of course the um, water wasn't running running over the face of the dam at the time. They just diverted the water a different direction. And it was still, the dam was still in working order and everything. We didn't shut off the dam for it. Just a um, different switch and came in a different valve. I'm still trying to understand how everything's diverted to the powerhouse, but it was really informative and a lot of people don't think concrete's cool, but yeah, Mike could make anything cool. It was really, it was really entertaining. And then um, what he, he was telling me that um, concrete today is made from crushed gravel and angular rocks. But when the dam was built, um, the available rock at that time was probably river rock, and it was finally, it was most likely found on the job site. And and um, he said that um, concrete and cement, those are terms used interchangeably now, but they. Um, Cement is actually a component of concrete. And again, he went on saying um, concrete is typically comprised of cement, water, a fine aggregates, which are like crushed rock or sand, and then coarse aggregates and um, physical admixtures. I mean, it sounds all like engineer talk, but all of these things are important to have different shapes, different sizes, um, different textures. So when you're making this solid, um, when the um, concrete becomes solid, it just helps it be more stable. And he says um, there's also um, chemical admixtures, and he said they facilitate the placement of the concrete, and then you add air, and so the air just kind of helps as a cushion, is from my understanding. And so before they didn't have air in there, and they didn't have these chemicals, so the structure wouldn't breathe. And there had been patchwork, Done on the face of the dam, probably like the 80s and 90s is when um, Klaus was, um, that's about when he said it was done. And, and it was, they were good patchworks, but sometimes you just got to do a little bit more work. Um, even the side walls and the dividing wall in the middle, that one especially had some extra work as well. He said it really beefed up the wall by just adding more concrete to it and just adding more thickness of it and just helps the structure overall. And then, and then um, city engineer Mike Klaus, he did say that um, it is a run of the river dam, so water is consistently moving. That's how the power is being made. It's not a reservoir that is um, slowly bringing in water that we can control. It's just however fast the water is moving, how much water there is moving through the river, that decides um, how much electricity is produced. And so that's um, because of seasonal changes and water levels, the energy waxes and wanes per season. And Klaus said the goal was to keep the dam operational for the next 100 years. So the Moe Dam provides um, 25 to 30% of the overall electric need for Bonners Ferry. And um, the goal is to keep the dam operational. That way the city doesn't have to buy power through um, other entities. The construction will still continue um, next year for the eastern side of um, the eastern face of the dam. The crew could only get um, the first two phases done, 
So they worked mostly on the western side of the dam and into the middle. And so they got um, one spillway done, but they're going to finish the other spillway next year. Just with the seasons and the weather, they just can't do any more of it. And that'll be good when um, they have to do construction at a certain time, just when the water levels are lower. So after spring happens and then when um, all the snow was melted, then they can go in and get that all done when the water isn't raging like like it was when I went that day it was it was pretty muddy water but it was really raging and I can't imagine doing any construction at that time so when the water level is lower doesn't the water won't go over the dam they can divert it through the valve which is what they're um the water goes through the valve and that goes down to the powerhouse and that's where um the power is made because it's going in through the turbine and then it's pushed out at another location, I believe. Either I don't I don't know um, if it then is diverted back to the dam. I wasn't quite clear on that, and I haven't really seen the schematics or anything. But when the water level is higher, then that's when the water is going over the dam. So if the water level is lower behind the dam, it can't go over the wall. That's when they'll do a construction again. I believe it was probably May or June or maybe July is um, seen when they can get in there, and then we'll have a whole new dam in it. It is beautiful, and it it's not as imposing as the Grand Coulee or some other large ones. But it's it's a beautiful, and it's it's beautiful there, and it's it's a great thing to have for the community, just to help with the utility rates. And I mean, who else has one? Now we're gonna head down to Bonner County, and we're just gonna go over some stuff over there. So Priest River Junior High had a coin drive. It was a competition to see who could bring in the most money, but it not in the way you would think. It was who could bring in the most money, but only some coins would count. So it was to see who could bring in the most pennies. So what they did is you could sabotage another team or another classroom. And so each class had a jar and you could put pennies in it and those pennies would count as points to go for your overall score. But if you had a silver coin, so a nickel, a dime, a quarter, or a half dollar, I think we still have those. I haven't seen one of those in a while, though. You could put those in another, a different classroom's jar, and it would deduct points. And so because of the competitiveness, they want, they raise so much money. A lot of the teachers really in on it. You know, good old clean fun. So the, all the proceeds went to the Wounded Warrior Project. This was in uh, line with their... Um, this was in line with Veterans Day, and it's just something to give back to, to veterans. Um, the total amount raised was $750, and that was only in seven days. Principal Amber Williams said the coin drive was the most successful and fun competition at the junior high school. And then students also wrote 150 letters to veterans in the community and the surrounding community to thank them for their service. So there is a, um, there's a recent organization that's come out of the pandemic for food banks. And what I mean by that is Community Loaves. They are a just collaboration amongst bakers to provide fresh loaves of bread to local food pantries. At a lot of food banks and food pantries, they don't get donations of fresh bread typically. And that's one of those hardier things that has a longer shelf life. So what has happened is um, Ann Neal, um, she is the Sandpoint Hub Coordinator for Community Loaves. And she's bringing nutritious, fresh, all-organic bread to the Sandpoint community and to the local food bank. 
She said bread is ideal for donations due to its long shelf life. So this is a good and practical way for bakers, new and experienced, to come together and give back to their communities. It's the Community Loaves got its start during the pandemic in Seattle and has grown to having hubs of bakers in Oregon and Idaho as well. And right, the only two Idaho hubs are all in Boise, so Neil just hopes to bring bring these um, bring this great organization to Sandpoint. Neil is still actively recruiting. She said, I'm sure there are many bakers in Sandpoint that would love to be involved themselves in such giving and lovely work. And then Community Lowe's has also partnered with Debbie Love. Um, she's the executive director of the food bank to make all of this happen. So if you're if you're interested in learning more about Community Loaves, you can go to communityloaves.org. And so since April 2020, Community Lowe's has partnered with 28 food banks. They have 57 hub locations, 907 volunteers. And then since 2020, 50,536 loaves have been donated to food banks and food pantries. And they calculated, they calculated that that is enough for 264,341 sandwiches. That's a lot of dough they made. In October, brought to you by the Blue Cross of Idaho, is the Mayor Walking Challenge. So many mayors participated in this across Idaho. In the challenge, you'd have to take steps. So the more steps you took, the more money you would raise for the community. And all the funds had to go back into something to, con something to encourage recreation or health within the community. So the uh, mayors that participated in this was Dick Staples up in Bonners Ferry, Mayor Steve Geiger in Pend Oreille, and then Jim Martin also in Priest River. And so I was able to sit down with uh, Mayor Steve Geiger and just talk to him about it. Geiger has participated in this every year since 2018. In 2018, he walked 180 miles. This year, he walked a total of 493,000 steps, or 225 miles. That is a distance of walking from Ponderay all the way to Grangeville. Well, not all the way. He would have been five miles out of town and would have had a would have had a bummer ride. But anyway, um, this year attracted 81 mayors, including Geiger, who um, earned up to a thousand dollars for their for their efforts. And the mayors who walked 5,000 steps a day earned $500. And those that walked 10,000 steps a day earned $1,000. And all funds, of the, all funds of the walking challenge are for projects that promote the community and being active. And so I did sit down and ask Geiger about it of, what was his plan? How, did, how was he gonna achieve this goal of doing 10,000 steps a day? Well. He really did have a game plan. He thought of this as like an athletic event, and it was, um, he said all of this is for the community. All the funds always go to um, the Sandpoint Christian School in Ponderay. Before he'd, um, they'd raise money for playground equipment, and this is probably, that's probably what they'll do again this year. But he would look at, um, there was a ranking of which mayor was number one through 10, and so he'd look at that every day, and he's trying to plan, figure out how he can be in the top ten. And he was, like, top seven, top eight for a while. So his goal was um, to go to his shop, for, to his painting shop every day. He would read the paper and walk around his shop. He, like, kind of formed a little track in there. 
And so he'd walk and read the paper. And so by 9 a.m., he had a goal of trying to hit 5,000 steps before the workday really kicked off. And then what he would do is uh, around lunchtime, he'd go walk around um, Ponderay, or he would he would go and do um, the Lake Ponderay Trail or any uh, some other trails in the area and just trying to really hit 10,000 steps by noon or 1. He would also um, walk to City Hall when he had to um, go there, whether for city council meetings or for anything else. And it just he just got out more and walked. If he had a phone call and was sitting at his desk, he'd just get up and walk around the block. So he was really serious about this. He, he, he said he's good at a challenge, and he, he can be bribed to exercise, is what he was saying. And, um, he said the challenge really makes one aware of the need to be active, just knowing mostly for the competition that he needed to beat the other mayors, but also like attain the goal setting. I think he was really trying to beat the other mayors as well. It just made him stop and realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't sit. I do need to take this phone call. Let me go walk around the block. And he said just that mindset is really helpful. He wished other people in the community would have this as well. And he said um, this program overall is good for the community to receive funds to encourage healthy behavior. It's also good in the long run to be healthier because it will save you money overall in your life. If you are healthy and you continue to be healthy just by maybe it's just walking, maybe it's um, maybe it's eating differently, but even just walking can help because if you're healthy, if you start these healthy habits earlier, you're more likely to continue them and it, it just saves you financially in, in the long run. Um, common questions residents had for Mayor Geiger was had he worn out any pair of shoes or had he shed some pounds during the challenge? He said his shoes were not overly worn and that he too thought he would lose some weight, but that's not what the challenge is for, despite his efforts. And he did meet the goal. He did get um, 10,000 steps in every day, and he did win $1,000 for um, for the Sandpoint um, Christian School. And we'll follow up later to see what um, playground equipment they choose. Thank you for listening to the 7B Podcast in the special edition of the Bonners and Bonner Roundup. I'm Emily Bosong. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time.